Let's think now about what is described as the first state capture trial. It has been happening in the Bloemfontein High Court and it involves a kind of precursor to the Estina Dairy scandal. The state has just closed its case. It's it's a trial that I've sort of only been peripherally aware of. Perhaps I should have paid it greater attention. But I am checking in on a daily basis with um, what the testimony has been, what the defense has been. It's quite a, quite an aggressive um, a trial. Um, a lot of the defense advocates have been robust, shall we say. But the impression I gain from all of the reporting that I read and hear is that the state hasn't done a very good case. Erin Bates, Newsroom Africa reporter on Channel 405. Erin, you've been there pretty much all of the time since it started. By the way, it says Professor Erin Bates on my on my on my. <laughs> oh screen. gosh! Please scrap that out, John. Oh, I, th- I thought that maybe something important had happened to you since we Not last at all. met. Okay. <laughs> do Do you share uh, that sort of sentiment that I'm picking up that the state's done a pretty poor job of making its case? Look, one must be wary of opining about legal process because the duty of the presiding officer is to weigh up the evidence before her and make a decision, make a ruling. But we have seen acting judge Numbumulelo Gusha struggling with some of the evidence put forward and the testimony of the state's 20-odd witnesses amongst 35 on the indictment, which was signed by the former head of the ID of the NPA, Advocate Hermione Crenier. And it has been clear from the cross-examination of the defense that there are very jarring weaknesses in the conduct of the Hawks running the investigation in some of the work that financial investigators within the idea of the NPA have done on the allegedly Gupta-linked financials embroiled in this case, and that certain checks and balances in terms of the investigation process haven't been completed. In terms of today, John, if we talk facts, The fact is that Gusha, the acting judge in this case, has written off or excluded a number of exhibits she admitted provisionally at the beginning of this trial and through its course on the understanding that the oral testimony of witnesses would justify and verify these documents, which are copies of originals that have either gone missing or haven't been sourced in investigation. And in most cases, she has found that evidence inadmissible, which means that the state is on smaller ground when it comes to making its final arguments, which are still to be heard in this matter. And again, I, the, some of the criticism of, has been that the state appointed relatively junior prosecutors in order to prosecute the case, and it would have been surely more sensible given the fact that this it's not that the what happens in this case necessarily impacts on what happens in other state capture cases, which might be more, which might be better argued with greater evidence, whatever the case may be. But, you know, you do want to start off on your state prosecution journey, state capture prosecution journey with a win. And I mean, do you get a sense that the prosecution benches have been stacked with too much inexperience? That's an interesting question. So we have advocate Peter Sarunye, who I understand has worked on some other quite serious uh, corruption matters. I don't know those cases, but I am told by fellow journalist Karen Morn that he does have a track record. We also have ag- advocate Jacintha Vitboy, 
for the state. And it's understood that advocate Nazir Kasim, senior counsel, who is a private silk, has been brought in under a certain provision to consult with the NPA's ID on this case. But John, to your point around this not having bearing on other state capture matters, that's absolutely not the case. One of the key things here was that we were told by Sarunye during proceedings that there would be a trial within a trial about the admissibility of evidence gleaned from the Gupta Leaks hard drive in criminal proceedings. Now, the point there is that the Zondo Commission admitted a lot of evidence from the Gupta Leaks hard drive. That was an inquisitorial process. This is a criminal prosecution with accused, charged and facing jail time in those famed orange overalls. And yet this trial within a trial over the Gupta Leaks and the veracity and admissibility of its contents was entirely abandoned by the state. That has ramifications and repercussions for the big Istina matter, which is still to come with Mosebin Zizwane among the accused. This case has been dubbed the Little Estina. It's been perceived as small or low-hanging fruit. And the ID of the NPA has driven the argument that, yes, this may only be a 25 million rand amounted issue, but there is a secure chain of evidence that is not only going to guarantee in its view criminal charges and convictions against the six accused persons and two companies, but has also been on the strength of the evidence in this case, the grounds for acquiring those red notices from Interpol for the arrest of two Gupta brothers who are facing extradition. So the ripple effects of a loss here for the NPA are profound. That said, Sirunye and Vitboy remain confident that they have a case to argue here. There is evidence in addition to that provisionally admitted evidence which has now been scrapped, which does stand. That includes bank records and other testimony around the financial flows within the Gupta's business group. And we'll have to see what comes of it. But honestly, at a gut level, in terms of the evidence and cross-examination we've seen, and in light of Gusha's ruling this morning about those provisionally admitted exhibits, it doesn't look particularly strong to my definitely not professor eyes or mind and that of a lay journalist who writes about legal matters. <laughs> you do yourself a disservice, Professor Bates. Erin, thank you very much for talking to us. Newsroom Africa reporter, and that is on Channel 405 on the DSTV bouquet.